Now some big news for the Houston Texans as this organization tries to remake itself. Sources say they have hired Nick Casario, the former Patriots director of player personnel, longtime right-hand man for Bill Belichick and de facto general manager in New England for years. He is going to be the new Houston Texans GM. And obviously this is someone that the Texans, the Texans brass, Jack Easterby, who of course works closely with Cal McNair, the owner. This is someone who's been in their sights for more than a year. Remember, the Texans tried to interview him the last time uh, they thought about having a GM, and of course the Patriots blocked him following tampering charges. It was a big mess. Everyone went back to their own corners, and now Casario ends up after a interview process that included several uh, executives around the league for the Houston Texans. They settle on Casario, a big-time coup for Houston, and certainly landing someone who is extremely, extremely respected around the NFL. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. An emergency edition as we wake to the news today, this lunchtime, giving some thoughts on my perspective on the Nick Casario hiring as the GM, the fourth GM in Houston Texans franchise history. Is the man to lead us forward, according to Cal McNair. Um, it's certainly an interesting one in terms of timing. I think the the timing of it when there's still interviews outstanding, Scott Cohen of the Ravens particularly, when the Twitter feed of Texans PR was consistently feeding interviewees and the, the confirmation of certain interviews that had been conducted. So what made Cal pull the trigger only two days after the season is a question that we may find out over time. Was it the fact that there was pressure from Easterby, despite being along, all along the way being told that Jack Easterby unequivocally would not be involved in the hiring process, but yet the man hired is the closest linked personnel executive out there. And the timing is one thing, and the, and the timeline will come on to that in the process, but if you cast your mind back to 2019, summer of, Brian Gaines still in charge of the Houston Texans, not long completed the draft. And... There's some consternation built at the Patriots ring ceremony, perhaps maybe the third or fourth bathroom in the mansion of Robert Kraft. There's some discussion which causes attention to be drawn towards Easterby there, who is, by all accounts, on a mission behind enemy lines to try and convince Nick Casario to come and join the Houston Texans as the next GM, despite... Brian Gaines still being in place. Now, that draws, those conversations drew suspicion. The suspicion then led to a tampering charge being filed by the New England Patriots. But in that time, Brian Gaines was relieved of his duties. Now, we've seen subsequently a, you know, a huge role played in that. And effectively, the fragmentation of cohesive departments within the footballing operation were drawn 
and Easter Bee decided to make the process clunky and get involved and retrieve information and make it as difficult as possible for operations to be going without going through him. And therefore created the perception that he, Brian Gay would not speak to ownership. And probably the biggest mistake of Cal, Cal's reign to this point is firing Brian Gain because Brian Gain is fired on the assertion that Nick Casario has agreed to join. Easter being being the middleman, despite them sharing an agent, and we'll come on to the agent. We then are in a position where we do not have another GM, we do not go after another GM, and the rest is history. Bill O'Brien takes charge, heavy-handed trades for Tunsil, Clowney out the building for cheap, Hopkins out the, out the building for cheap, and all the various issues and cultural problems have been born out of that moment. And this franchise has dug a hole in itself where it's only looking up the totem pole of the NFL elite and thinking, what did it like? What was it used to be like when that was at least in sight? We've seen after finishing a 4 and 12 season, despite having Deshaun Watson within our ranks as our franchise passer, we've managed to achieve what seems the almost unachievable in tanking in a season where you have the most important and the most difficult position in all of sports to fill. And of course, Watson is the lonely jewel in the crown of the Houston Texans and perhaps a big part of Casario coming in. But the process to me sounds difficult when you've still got Scott Cohen of the Ravens, who was still yet to be interviewed. Cal, supposedly, according to John McLean, with Easterby, took the private jet to Massachusetts to pick up Casario to do the interview in Houston. Now, that seems implausible based on the other reports of the other interviews, Joe Brady being one, Trent Kirchner from the from the Seattle Seahawks was also interviewed on the same day. So why that later that evening, unless this was a late night interview, but the reports came out during the day that it was a positive interview from who the reports were, seems odd. The constant bravado from the franchise in terms of the committee slash you know, collection of renowned names and bodies that were consulted. The search firm, Corn Ferry, who were paid handsomely, supposedly in the, in the region of a million dollars US, to conduct this search. There has also been mixed reports whether Nick Casario was or was not on that list. So to go through this whole process, speak to players, speak to ex-players, football types, hire a search firm, to then go back and hire a guy who you failed to hire some 20-odd months ago. doesn't sit well, and it seems disjointed. So it was. I think it has to be a case that Cal admired Casario and, and wanted him. There was an itch burning away that he failed at that and felt like if he had the opportunity to, again, to get the guy, he would. Why go through all the process and just go right to the guy and just be upfront about it, I think would have made this easier. He's not done that. And the biggest part of the the issue, I think, is this should have been a day where, as Jamie Root said, hope will spring eternal. And it's not that today. That has not happened. It, I can't remember you know, I can't remember an announcement of the Texans, you know poorly executed trades aside that has garnered such negativity and the rhetoric has been so stacked against the franchise in another 
terrible look for Cal McNair, effectively looking looking inept in his role as the owner of this footballing franchise. I just can't see a way how you've not put Nick Casario, ability aside, and we'll come on to his resume, but ability aside, you've put him on the back foot from day one. Only the Texans, in their lack of a sense of the temperature and the pulse of their fan base and what the fan base would want would go and hire Jack Easterby, a guy who is vilified at every sense. Have you ever heard of a team being able to create a PR storm by firing a, uh, a PR executive? Have you ever heard of a team who's got a, a, a sign in the stands or multiple signs in the stands about an operations executive to get out of the building based on all the reports that have surfaced in the last number of weeks? And have you ever seen a GM hire instantly ignite an online trend of firing the interim GM? And if you just take those three examples together, it just feels like this franchise cannot get out its own way under the stewardship of Cal McNair. Now, look, Cal may have made the best decision he's ever made right now, but regardless of that, he's put Nick on the back foot by having such negative PR and I think this was a chance to turn the corner and turn the page collectively with the fan base and say look we know we've not done well in the, in the previous 18-20 months but now's the time for change and it felt like by doing this it just seemed like you'd gone backwards in some sense or at least a step to the side because if you really wanted Nick Casario, why did you not just go and offer money, draft picks, whatever it took, and just said, look, this guy wants to come with us, we want him, let's not let this drag on. You then pull back from the search in a sort of embarrassed child that's been told off type of manner. And then only to go back when the, when the league had outruled his clause that prevented you from hiring in the first place. So it seems, it seems odd, and it kind of goes back to that Tony Dungy aspect of, Cal came to him, and I told, and Tony Dungy effectively said, I need to have your blueprint before I can recommend. There's lots of guys I'd like to recommend. And it would almost see, or even seem clearer, that Cal doesn't know what his blueprint is, and he's just gone for what he knows. So to go through this whole process seems odd, I think, considering the, all, the, all the search firm and everybody that was included in this. I think a big thing we need to face into as well was the players' reaction and Deshaun Watson's tweet and whether that had been directly about it or not. The fact that it's even a discussion point suggests, you know, this isn't necessarily the best move for what he'd sounded out, what other players had sounded out and what everybody knows this franchise needed. And he tweeted out, some things will never change. That's out of context. There was another shooting um, from police brutality and gendered and it may well have been about that you saw LeBron James tweeting about that at the same time so it may well be linked to that and could completely be unrelated but the fact that we think there's even a remote chance shows you potentially this is not necessarily the right move but you've got to remember this move has been welcomed out with Houston and he's, and you heard that in the intro they're a very well respected front office personnel executive. And I don't think there's any any doubt that if you look at the resume of Nick Casario, he's still only 45. He's been at the Patriots since 2001. He's worked in coaching. He's worked in analytics. He's got a financial background from his collegiate degree. 
He's led a front office personnel. Questionable draft record. You have to get that. But I think that this that you know if you take that in isolation, I don't think too many people would sniff at this. If this was if this was from any other of the thirty franchises left outside this building, I think people would welcome it because Sydney's won multiple Super Bowls, and he's a guy who's been involved in the most successful football franchise in our lifetime. Now, this is where the bit comes in, which I think Cal misses. We've just been down the road in many people's eyes, of the Patriots, Light, Patriots, South, whatever you want to call them, in the the growth of O'Brien's power, mirroring the success model of Bill Belichick, only led us to ruin. And that, and that is the biggest task of Casario, is to firstly get us out of the rut, which will be 2021, and 22 is probably the year he can be fully judged. So, you know, again, you talk about the PR not having a and even footing for Nick Casero to start. The position this previous front office has left him in is not good. And I think so people will instantly say, we've been down this road, it's not worked, so therefore you're trying it again, and it's the definition of insanity by trying the same thing and expecting to get different results. And that's you know very arguably what Cal's done here. And I think the, the Patriots South model, you know, or the Patriots model was it was the greatest coach of all time with the greatest quarterback of all time. And that can't be replicated. As much as I love Deshaun, as much as whoever this next head coach comes in, it's not going to be, you know, what Tom Brady was for the length of time Tom Brady was. It's just, it's so rare in sports, it very rarely happens. And we've got to remember as well, Bill Belichick is often given the adage of of hitting the coach, manages to bail out the GM. So he's been, when you're under that same sort of stewardship and that same sort of thought process all the time, has Casario been indoctrinated by that? And that's the big question we've got to ask ourselves, and he'll have to ask himself, day one, in that office, sits down in that chair, and if he can clearly outline a vision and put that into practice very quickly, what his approach and the culture he thinks is astutely required for the Houston Texans. What are our weaknesses? Which there are many. What are our strengths? And how do we run a successful organisation both on and off the field, only, but only in Foxborough, you know, whether it be Matt Patricia, whether it be Bill O'Brien, whether it be Josh McDaniels going to Denver for a year, it's not worked when it's been taken out of that context, so can Casario take a completely objective view of this current team and where it is, and can he do it in his own way, because we've seen time and time again, if it's tried to be replicated, things are only going to get worse. And we potentially, if that's the case, we're looking at another regime change before we maybe get ourselves out of the doldrums. This situation's complexion completely changes if we find out the new head coach is something that everybody can get on board with. And I think that's the big stumbling block right now. Until we know who the head coach is, that, you know, things will will not necessarily have a positive light as you would have hoped the situation would have created. And, you know, I think we've got to understand that we see a very small percentage of this league. We are given the perceptions that many of the power brokers want us to see. And there's no bigger power brokers than agents within the National Football League. And Bob Lamont, the former Houston Texans, Rick Smith's agent also, so a long-standing relationship with the McNair family, is also Nick Casario's agent. 
He's also Brian Dable's agent. He's also Tim Kelly's agent. That may build the case for Tim Kelly to stay considering he's been publicly supported by Deshaun. So we've got to understand that, you know, a lot of this has been probably engineered by agents. And part of the timing was perhaps Bob Lamont saying, look, Cal, if we go to Carolina tomorrow, I'm no guarantee we won't sign there. So if you want to get this done, get this done today. And look, I think obviously Casario at the time, going back to 2019, wanted to be here. And now he gets his chance. But I think not only does his approach in that question of can he create a fresh approach rather than transferring one that's worked elsewhere that we know isn't always necessarily transferable. I think his big question is, who's the head coach? If he nails that and nails the coaching staff with the best possible array of position coaches and experts and guys who can develop your own talent, then I think we're maybe on to something. How he engineers the salary cap, what other front office people he brings in, does Matt Bazargan stage, James Lipford was previously in... New England, so he may well stay. How many changes operate in the background will mean to be seen, and that's what will come out in the next couple of weeks. But I think the big elephant in the room for us all right now is the one and only Jack Easterby. And I think if I had to bet on it, I reckon anybody, if you want to stay along for this ride, and we're all probably gluttons for punishment at this stage considering this announcement and all the stuff we've been through as a collective over the last two years coming up for then I think you're probably going to have to get on board with Jack Easterby being some part of the organisation. Now, stranger things have happened. He may well turn around, and I think the biggest question that looms is what is Nick Casario's assessment of the moves that have been made and the reasons why we're in our current plight and, and, the, and the unrealistic position we're currently in. And if he does not favourably view those moves then he would not be doing his job correctly if he didn't remove Jack Easterby and relieve him of his duties from this front office. So that is the obvious easy win early doors and you want low-hanging fruit when you first move into a new role, regardless of the size and the pressure. But all eyes are on Casario right at the minute. And time will tell if he can necessarily get that right, I think. But inevitably, I think... Cal today, the overriding emotion, has overshadowed what should have been a day of extreme positivity, forward-looking, but yet most of what we've talked about right now is looking back and why we've retreaded a failed mistake before. And we've gone back to the well again on a Patriots model, which has not or has yet to be proved successful elsewhere. So that question will hang over. Nick Casario, and I, again, I don't think Cal has done Casario any favours. It's obviously somewhere he wants to be. Details of compensation, details of, of people that will join will emerge in the days following. But it's certainly been another day, another stir in the stomach when you hear the news and it feels like it's wrong. And the adage is, if it feels like you're doing something or something's going wrong, it probably is. And we've had that, mo that moment and that feeling far too many times as a fan base and I think Cal's really stressing his loyalty of his players first and foremost and then of his fan base even more so to the absolute limit whereby he's yet to do anything that will inspire confidence that he 
will take this franchise forward to a winning place. They say they're committed to winning, but yet we're yet to see any clear indication of that in a new and fresh manner that you've got that you've got to hope would have been the aspiration to do so in this move. It's not necessarily garnered excitement. There is lots of time to adjust and change these moves. It's a moving piece in the National Football League. It can change very quickly, but it feels like another slap in the face to many of the loyal people that listen to this podcast and a vast array of countries and care about this team. And ultimately just want to let's see this team win. And Deshaun deserves to have everything at his disposal, to have the best career. He has his talents warrant that. JJ's talents warranted that. DeAndre Johnson's talents warranted that as well. Neither of those two were given that. And surely Cal can see this is the this is the time is now to define this because this is the decisions in the next couple of days, and I include this one. And it'll take us two to three years to understand if they were correct on the whole. But decisions like this ultimately define whether we'll win a Super Bowl or not. And this is that's the prize. That's the only reason why you play this game. It's the only reason why these franchises exist. If you don't play to win, what's the point? We may as well go home. So hopefully we'll have a great head coach announcement that we can all get behind and rally t- towards through into the off-season. But certainly today does not feel like we're necessarily taking steps in the right direction purely from a PR angle, and perception can be reality in many instances. But I'll end on a Stephen King quote, because I felt it was hugely pertinent to the sentiment that was you know, awashed probably most of us at the second we heard that news. And, and I go back to Cal straining his relations and his, his faith in people. And you can see people are at their breaking point. If it's not to go well, there'll be a lot more lost than, than gained with this. But Stephen King wrote, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So if Cal can get this right, there's a chance to move forward, but it's perilously on a knife edge right now. And it could go either way for this franchise, and the damage, if it isn't right, is going to take a hell of a long time to fix it, and you might lose your most valuable asset along the way. Thanks very much for listening to us once again. You could check us out on Podcast Texans com at podcast texans on twitter and on facebook and we'll be back with you again next week 